Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Emotional Mastery Podcast. I am your host, Rochelle. This podcast started as a space to use my voice, to share my journey of healing, and it's turned into so much more. It's a space about all things emotional, because for me, learning to self-regulate and accept what I was feeling was game-changing. Together, we learn the tools to self-regulate. We talk spirituality, holistic healing, and modalities such as human design and astrology to help you radically trust, love, and accept yourself. I have some amazing guests on here that share their story and share their tools. And this is really just a space to support you in healing mind, body, and soul. So I thank you so much for tuning in and putting yourself first. I appreciate every single one of you. Welcome back to another episode. This week, I am talking to Ashley Nicholson, the founder of BTR Bars. If you have not heard of these, run and try them now. They are so good. They literally, she tells her story in this episode, but her parents passed from rare forms of cancer. And so she's just on a mission to literally change the face of snacking, right? To make actual real food, real ingredients. And when I first ordered them um, and I read the ingredients, I was like, there's no way this is going to taste really good. But I was literally blown away. Like they are just like little magical (laughs) bars. They taste so good. And her purpose and mission behind this company, this brand, this, these food and what she's trying to do um, in the industry is, is just incredible. And so I'm so honored that she agreed to come on the podcast and, you know, tell her story here uh, with, with you guys, you know, with the audience here. And I just, yeah, everything, of course, as always, all the information is down in the show notes. So if you have not heard of BTR Bars, go follow her on Instagram, uh, TikTok. Uh, She's got really great informational reels, really entertaining reels. Um, And yeah, she's just an all around, just such a beautiful soul. And it was just so great to have a conversation. I literally could have talked to her four hours. So I'm really excited to bring this episode to you. Um, Again, as always, everything is in the show notes. You can follow her on Instagram, TikTok, uh, her website. You can follow me on Instagram. I will soon be getting um, TikTok going. It is in the works. I post a few reels here. I post a few TikToks uh, here and there randomly, but I'm trying to get more consistent with it. Um, But yeah, other than that, I've just like I've been feeling kind of proud of myself, definitely an ego moment, but I've definitely been feeling kind of proud of myself um, over the last couple of weeks. I, in full transparency, I have like sort of had been in, um, I guess you would call a situation for a couple of years. And it was really, really hard for me to like actually let go of this. Um, I cycled through it with my emotions over and over and over. And obviously this is the Emotional Mastery Podcast, so I'm always talking about my emotions. And I would just like feel so, you know, I think those like codependent patterns would come up, whether it was an element of like trauma bonding, um, because it was like the first, you know, safe thing I had had since, um, you know, my past relationship. But whatever, whatever it was, I found myself like cycling through this like over and over and over. And it's like, I always knew like what the outcome would be. I, I intuitively, you know, this, we talk about this all the time on this, on this um, podcast, like we, we know, right? We all know. And I don't believe that there's any wrong choice. I think for whatever reason, I had to cycle through this pattern this many times to learn the lesson. And as I like navigate now what that means and kind of navigate the pain that comes up with that a little bit and navigate something new, it's just really interesting um, the lessons I've learned and being able to put that in, into place and you know what that means moving forward. I think I mentioned it last week in my intro too, but I something that somebody said to me just like kind of clicked in a way. But you know, I was we were talking about something 
not related at all. And I just kind of like mentioned um, something to do with this situation. And this person was like, you know, you know, cause like, like I was saying in the moment, I feel really good. I feel really safe. I feel really good. And then afterwards I just feel like shit, <laughs> like my emotions and like everything would just, I would feel so terrible. And they were like, you know, just because something tastes good in the moment, right? Like we eat the pizza, we eat the McDonald's, we eat the donut, right? In that moment, yeah, sure, it tastes great, right? It feels great and we're our dopamine is going and you know, our body is like responding and, and we're feeling happy and great, but we really have to pay attention to how we feel after because that's what's telling, right? After we eat the donut, after we eat McDonald's, do we feel sluggish? Do we feel heavy? Do we feel like we don't wanna work out? Like we're just, are we feeling depressed? Are we feeling down? Like, does it take a while to get our mood back? You know, so whatever the thing is, whether it's alcohol or, you know, whatever it is, relationships, whatever, really, really paying attention to how we feel after the fact. And something about that really helped me shift my perspective because again, it was something I knew was coming and I just like struggled with it back and forth. But yeah, so it's been... A really powerful, and I, I'm not going to sit here and say that it was all the eclipse. <laughs> I think like, you know, Pluto being retrograde and then the eclipse and then the full moon. I just think like all these things were really, really bringing it up in full force. So I could not ignore it anymore. And I was at a place where I was really ready to just like face it, to face it, to feel it, to grieve it. Because regardless of what it was or wasn't, you know, like even in, you know, my past, like my marriage, when it was over, I knew it was over. And and there was a lot of things within that relationship that obviously I don't want to relive, but I we have to go through this grieving process of our relationships. Um, you know, even if you have an, a toxic and unhealthy relationship with a parent, you know, you have to grieve the relationship that you never had that you wanted and accept that. And then you can form a new relationship with that parent, right? From a space of like, of having grieved what you're never going to get. And so, yeah, I just feel like really important empowered in that, really empowered in navigating my feelings and just kind of having that awareness and kind of feeling like I've <laughs> full circle with this, um, you know, with this situation. And I just, yeah, it doesn't, it, there's still like a sadness and I think it, it is what it is. Right. And I, and I truly, truly believe that, right? Like everything, everything happens for a reason. I have like, <laughs> Yeah, everything happens for a reason. There are no accidents. I don't believe that anything happens for an accident. I believe the universe, you know, has plans for us bigger than we can imagine for ourselves. And it's a really a matter of just surrendering to it. And I talk about that. And we have these moments, you know, where we're, we're clinging to the thing that we want, right? We have this like tunnel vision for the thing that we want. And then we have those moments where we're just like, we just have to let it go. You have to let it go. You have to sit back and just be like, okay, you know? What is it that you want me to do? Or or I give it up. I give it up to you, whatever you believe, God, source, universe, you know, whatever term you want to use, just being like, I give this to you. I no longer control this. I no longer know what to do with this. And I trust that you are going to show me the way. I trust that you are going to bring me what's meant for me. And it's in those moments where we fully, completely surrender. And I think it involves, as I'm learning, it really involves processing those emotions, right? Like we can't actually surrender it if we haven't like gone through the actual feelings. If we if we sit and we push the feelings down, we pretend like they're not there, what are we surrendering, right? Like we can surrender the situation, absolutely. And the universe will answer because I believe like the universe is always trying to guide us, right? But if those emotions are still trapped and we're not fully facing them, it's still going to come up at some point, whether it's in another relationship or in another career or in another, like whatever it is, right? It's going to come up again. 
And so, yeah, just like fully surrendering truly is the answer because then once we surrender, you know, then we can kind of like see more of what what is being put in our way when what is being put in our path. So, yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at uh, this week. I'm feeling, you know, yeah, feeling a little bit of sadness, more so empowered um, and just, yeah, I feel yeah, I feel, I feel good. I feel like I am focusing on the things that are important. I feel like I'm healing. I feel like we're always healing, right? But I feel like I'm taking the next step in my healing. And yeah, that's uh, basically where I'm at right now. So um, yeah, this episode is just really, really great. We talk about so much. We talk about her story. We talk about spirituality. We talk a little about human design. We talk a little bit about astrology. We talk about um, food. We talk about sugar. I mean, it's, it is packed. It is such a good episode. So I cannot wait for you to listen to it. You can connect with me on Instagram at Rochelle.Christian and you can connect with Ashley at BTR.Nation on Instagram. Again, everything is in the show notes, human design, astrology sessions slash astrology, because they're a combination of both are available. For the rest of the month until the end of May, uh, use the code EMOTIONAL30 and you're going to get 30% off anything on the website. So that includes uh, human design astrology sessions or health coaching sessions or the workbook, um, literally anything that's on there. If you have any questions, you can DM me on Instagram. I'm most active over there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you just feel like you need a little bit of support, if you feel like you need guidance, if you feel like you're, you know, maybe in a phase where you're just, you feel stuck and you're not quite sure which way is up and which way is down, you know, it can feel, I always, I, 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 I've told the story before and I, you know, with my emotions, I just resonate. I resonate and I always cycle back to the story. I I was white rudder rafting once and I fell out of the boat and I got sucked under and I literally was, I was drowning and you literally don't know which way is up and which way is down. And sometimes it just takes that surrender, right? To just stop fighting the current, stop fighting what's happening. And then you're just naturally brought up to the surface, right? It was probably the most, one of the most terrifying events of my life because I was like hitting the bottom and I couldn't even figure, it was terrifying. But once I finally was just like, let go, then I was just brought back up. And I think sometimes when we're in this, whatever you want to call it, dark night of the soul or magic dark or, you know, whatever terminology you want to use, sometimes it's just a matter of just, you know, finding the support, leaning on the support, um, surrendering and just reminding yourself that you are exactly where you're meant to be, learning what you're meant to be learning as you are meant to be, right? And so I just think human design and astrology are such beautiful tools because it really just helps us see ourselves in a in a clearer way and helps us show us that all the things that we may feel like we're wrong about us are not wrong. And so I just I I'm so honored and blessed and I love learning about it and I love connecting with people over it and I love reading charts and just love seeing the aha moments, right? Those moments where it's just like, ah, you know, like where you feel so seen, right? Um, Because all of us want to feel seen. So without uh, further ado, I, again, so excited for you to listen to this episode. So if you feel called to rate, review, or subscribe to the podcast, you can always just click that five star on Spotify, leave a review on iTunes. It really, really helps. Um, Share with a friend if this resonates. Share with a friend if you feel like, you know, they would love to hear this episode, if they'll find value in it. And I always love to hear from you guys. So, you know, Instagram, um, my email is down the show notes as well. All the things. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I am so excited to have partnered with Seed Probiotics. We know this podcast is 
all about emotions and the state of our gut greatly influences the state of our emotions, our ability to self-regulate. And so it is so important to take care of our gut. It's like having a little mini universe inside of our body, right? When we have good bacteria, it's running efficiently. And when we have bad bacteria, things can get a little misaligned. So seed is incredible. I started taking them around November and within 48 hours, I noticed the difference. Seed has a double capsule. It's a pre and probiotic. So the prebiotic digests in your stomach and the probiotic actually goes to where it's supposed to go to be the most effective, which is your colon. The science behind this is incredible. You can geek out all about it. I honestly love, love, love this product. Like I said, I've been taking it for months. I noticed such a huge difference and I am so excited to be able to bring this to you. If you use the code EMOTIONAL, E-M-O-T-I-O-N-A-L at checkout, you will get 15% off your first month of the daily symbiotic. That is code EMOTIONAL at checkout. All right. Well, welcome to the Emotional Mastery Podcast. Today, I have Ashley Nicholson here of BTR Bars, BTR Nation, and I am so excited. We are getting all into talking before we hit record, so we have so much to talk about in this episode. Um, I thank you so much for being on here, and I always start with just if you want to tell people, introduce yourself, and just as much or as little as you like about your journey, your story, how you got here, and then um, your human design and sun, moon, and rising, if you know it. Absolutely. Oh, Rochelle, I am so excited. I, I started giving everything away before the podcast even we started <laughs> to hit record because I'm just so excited to talk about all of the things today. So thank you so much for having me on. Um, so I'm Ashley Nicholson. I'm the founder and chief snack officer of BTR Nation. And we are on a mission to end mindless snacking. So what that means is we are reimagining the modern vending machines. So think about protein bars, granola bars, candy bars, anything that you would find where people immediately think, oh, this is convenience food or junk food. It must automatically equal unhealthy. We are on a quest to change that. So where this came from is over six years ago at this time, um, both my parents were diagnosed with rare forms of cancer. So my mom was diagnosed with a leomyosarcoma, which is just 0.001% of the population, just crazy soft tissue cancer that really um, withers the body away very quickly. And my father was diagnosed with appendiceal cancer. Also, you don't even need your appendix, like just very, very rare forms. And it's part of the reason I'm so spiritual today and why I am just so, so focused on our mission to be bold, tenacious, and resilient. So that's what BTR stands for. And it's, it's been a, a crazy journey. So I think back to what my inspiration was, and it was literally standing in front of a hospital vending machine, seeing the options that are in a, available in a vending machine and seeing the options available in hospital cafeteria foods, airports on the go, just so abominable. And the foods that I was getting from my parents were just making them sicker. So they were already going through chemo radiation. So I have a background in food studies and biochemistry. I took to the kitchen always, I'm a big foodie. So I've always loved cooking and baking. So I put together this little recipe, which is similar, not the exact recipe, but similar to the recipe that we have today, actually for our cinnamon cookie dough bar and our dark chocolate brownie bar. So it was born literally in my kitchen in New York, same superfoods, adaptogens, lightly sweetened with monk fruit. I actually didn't even think my parents were going to like the bites because I was like, they have very sensitive taste buds. They were craving so much sugar. And that's all that 
drinking in shore has like 50 grams of sugar. Like that's all that they were being given in the hospital. It was just crazy. And they loved them. They were like, they're not too sweet, but they satisfy my sweet tooth. It helped keep them full. It gave them a little bit of protein. So it really just, it, it fuels them while they were fighting this hardest battle of their lives. And the doctors, nurses, other caretakers, people were starting like, oh, you're the one that makes these little bites. So I was like, okay, great. I'll just, I'll keep bringing them to the hospital. And my father knew I had something here. He was an entrepreneur at heart and he actually incorporated the company and said, okay, Ashley, I want you to do something with this. And I, my, my parents were my best friends, are my best friends. And, you know, we were a tripod. I was an only child and we just, I grew up so, so close to them. So I was like, okay, I have to do something with this when the time is right. And both my parents passed away. My mom passed away first. Um, her cancer was very, just so, so severe. And then my father, and it's, I mean, still shakes me to the core. And my mom's, the anniversary of her death actually was just this past Thursday. And it, it feels, feels like yesterday, but also feels so far away because I feel like I've evolved into such a different person. I don't, I, I really feel that my parents are with me every single step of the journey. Um, but I, I digress a bit. I'll, I'll get into all of my love for spirituality and how I feel they're around me all the time, um, probably later on in the podcast. But yeah, I, I completely tabled the idea for these bites. I, I did do a career change though. I was originally in education and I was, it's a really funny job. Now, as I look back at it, I was the residence hall director. So I lived in dorms with college students and I was like their caretaker. I, I love to think of myself as a caretaker. So building community, building businesses, building things from the ground up. And I loved the job, but there was just so many roommate conflicts and little trivial things that I just, after my parents were sick and passed away, I was like, I cannot do this. So I actually joined a supplement startup in the wellness space and grew that company for several years. And then in the middle of the pandemic, I said, okay, this is it. The same existential crisis I felt like we were facing, what we were facing in 2020, I was facing when dealing with my parents' diagnosis. And I said, okay, here's the time to, to live my purpose. This is it. And I'm literally resigned as everyone is like trying to hold on to their jobs in the middle of the pandemic. I'm like, screw it. I left the company, no other, I mean, I've been saving my whole life for this. And it's either invest my money in a home one day or invest it in myself. And I, I chose that because it is not easy to start a business, especially in food and beverage or anything in CPG where it's a physical product. I tell people all the time, like, oh, you know, $5,000 might not do it. It's probably not going to do it. So you really need to have savings. You have to figure out your runway and how much you can, you know, how long you can go without a salary. All of those things are important. So a lot of thought went into this decision, but regardless, I said, I'm not going to do a side hustle. I'm going to go for it and do it full out, go big or go home. And we launched at the very end of 2020, sold out, and then came back in February of 2021. And yeah, last year was our, our first full year in business. And, and here we are today. Is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I mean, I have. Well, this is my favorite, <laughs> the cinnamon one. Yes. Oh my gosh, I am literally obsessed. Like my kids will like try and grab them. I'm like, guys, no, <laughs> you can have something else. I love it. But yeah, I noticed like when I like when I'm choosing snacks for my kids, like for school and stuff. Every time they like gravitate towards bars, it's like I'm always trying to guide them somewhere else because it's like the first ingredient is either sugar or oil, right? So I'm like always so hesitant when it comes to those things. And like I work, you know, nine to five, Monday through Friday, so lunch time I if I get to have lunch right so I'm like trying to always 
grab things that are easy and quick, but nutritious. That's so important for me. So this was like when I I heard you on almost 30 podcasts and then I immediately ordered some and then I looked at the ingredients and I tasted it and I was like, no way. Like this is like magic. (laughs) What are you doing to them? It is so good. And there's literally like the the ingredients are incredible. Thank you. Thank you. It, it, It took a lot of time and, you know, the magic really is, is that they're nut butter bars. And I do tell a lot of entrepreneurs, you can't be everything to everyone. We do check a ton of boxes. We're plant-based. So if people are vegan, they can enjoy the bars. We're low sugar. So if people are keto or paleo, or just in general, the entire space right now, everyone is trying to move towards eating a little bit less sugar. And we wanted to be that brand that especially after seeing my parents crave sugar for so many years. And especially when they were diagnosed with cancer, it's, that's just what our bodies are addicted to it. I mean, sugar literally stimulates the neurotransmitters transmitters in our brain that make us want more sugar. Like that is what the food industry does. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to create a nut butter bar because who doesn't love nut butter, creamy Mm -hmm. cashew butter, peanut butter, as of, of course, if you have an allergy where we're working on trying to find a recipe that we can do, that's a, a nut free bar that still is going to taste amazing. And like that cookie dough texture, uh, but it's really hard because that's mm-hmm. where we get our flavor and our texture from is all from just natural nuts. And it's, that's, that's, what's so exciting about the brand is that it's literally, you know, we try to use ingredients that are as close to the earth as possible. So, and then everything is lightly sweetened with monk fruit, which is another plant that's super high in antioxidants and it's, and and that's it. So it's people ask like, well, how do you do it? And it it actually, it is really challenging. We go through probably we're launching a fifth flavor. We've been working on that fifth flavor since July of last year. So we go Mm -hmm. through like 28, 30, 40 iterations of every single recipe with our food scientists. And then beforehand, I'm going through iterations in my kitchen to actually create the base recipe. And it, yeah, so all in all, it's probably like a hundred recipes. So it takes a really long time to get it right, but it's, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. When you first started making these for your parents, like, cause I definitely want to touch on sugar because that is just, I could talk about that all day. Like there's so much to it, but did you notice when your parents started eating these, did you notice like their mood shift or, you know, maybe a a slow down in the decline or, or progression of the cancer? Did you notice anything? with that? Yeah. So it was, it was really more about like the day to day for them because Mm -hmm. there was no slowing down this cancer. And, and I always tell that to people like this is, I do believe that food is medicine proactively, but retroactively, I mean, I have heard many stories of people, you know, healing themselves. My parents, I mean, they both were diagnosed with stage five cancer. I wasn't going to just bring them green juices. I mean, I did because they, you know, I know barley is really good and we had them drinking wheatgrass and when they could stomach it, but this was more just so they could get some protein. So what I did see is that they were very filling for them as well as helping them put on some more weight and just keeping their, I guess their spirits up a little bit more where they weren't both of their cancers really impacted their digestive system. So they were just vomiting all the time. And this was just something that they could keep down and actually swallow. And because the bars are pretty soft, they're not, they don't stick to your teeth. So all of that, I really saw that. So it was more just improving that like quality of life at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had mentioned insurance. And my, my grandmother passed away, um, I think 2014 and by the time she found out that she had cancer, it had progressed so badly. But I do remember that she was drinking those constantly. She couldn't eat anything. So something like this, you know, I can imagine that that just easing that a little bit 
is, is so helpful. Um, yes. Yeah. And it's, I, I could talk about insure all day and I get it. I do mm-hmm. understand it's especially, and because my parents were drinking insure and if they needed to put on calories, you know, it, it, it put on mass, I totally understand. Like sometimes it just, it just has to be done. I still think there's a way, like I was swapping their insure out with smoothies that was working. Like there's other ways, but in the hospital, it's like, here it is, here you go. This is something that's quick and easy. And that's why we do every single day. People ask us like, oh, can you make a protein powder? Can you make a greens powder? And it's like, I do feel like they exist already in this space. Like there are some really good powders out there. There is not enough on the go, accessible, approachable and and affordable. I'd like to think that we're as affordable as possible. We'll we'll always try to bring our price down as we grow. Um, But the bars, you know, I mean, they're between $249 and $279, whether you're buying them in store or on our website. And a Quest bar is $249. So it's, Mm. you know, it's, we really wanted that swap to be super easy for people because there are some cleaner alternatives as well in, in the snack space. But if I have to pay like five bucks for like a single serve item, that's not accessible. So there was just so much to think about when, when creating the product and, you know, growing up definitely like lower middle class price is really, I'm very sensitive to price. I'm a super skeptical consumer uh, myself. So I was like, I knew I needed to make this as accessible as possible while still making sure the business can run. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think like, like if you want to talk about sugar for a minute, because that's, I mean, like I said, that's in so, so many bars that you find out there. And yeah, from a digestive perspective, from a gut health perspective, and this is the emotional mastery podcast. And part of that focus is the gut, the gut's effect on emotions because sugar literally feeds like bad bacteria. Right. So it's like, if we're having consuming sugar, which is in everything, it is so hard to like regulate the amount of sugar we're consuming. Like my parents gave my son uh, two cans of ginger ale like last week and I went to pick him up and he was like bouncing off the walls. I'm like, what is going on? And then I looked 60 grams of sugar within an hour. I was just like, oh my gosh, that's like four or five tablespoons. It's just like wild. But, but yeah. And then we, you know, like it affects our emotions and our ability to self-regulate. And then we wonder, honestly, like a lot of times we just don't understand why. Right. And it becomes consumed. It's just, I mean, it's a whole cycle. I can talk about it all day. I'm right there with you. And it's, we do, you know, I I actually recorded a bunch of stories this week um, about why I'm so passionate. And obviously it all comes back to my parents and seeing them crave sugar. Like I literally remember, like it was yesterday, my mom being like, this was before the bites. She was like, I need you to go get me a whole cheesecake. Like, and she would literally eat the whole cheesecake. And at this point, she still wasn't gaining that much weight. She had already lost like over a hundred pounds. And, you know, she's like, the only thing she would eat was cheesecake and jello. And she didn't feel good. I mean, it was, you know, causing her to vomit. She felt horrible, but like, it was the only thing that could, she could keep down. And it was sugar makes you happy too. So it's, I do think that there is, you know, I don't want to come off as like this, you know, preachy. And because I do know our content on, on Instagram and on, on TikTok it might not be the most fun content. I don't think that BTR nation is like the sexy brand. You know, there's a lot of like these sexy, like we're better for you products out there. And I give them a lot of respect. Um, But at the same time, it's, you know, most of those products still have probably like 40, 50 grams of sugar. If you're eating a whole tub of it, or, you know, it's, it's great if that's what you want as a treat, but we're just coming at it from a, just a completely different positioning. And and I eat sugar. I'm not keto. I'm not probably closer to paleo, you know, but I love legumes. So I can't cut out those nuts. Those are really good. Um, so, but sugar is definitely a part of my life. It's just the fact that 
without knowing how much sugar you're consuming. Even myself, like if I'm having dessert, especially because I'm making it right. Like I'm usually making a cookie and I know like, okay, this has like four or five grams of sugar. Cool. It's got maple syrup or it's got honey or it's got, you know, not a big fan of cane sugar. So I really, I love using monk fruit as an alternative. It's not a huge fan of stevia because of the taste, but there are alternatives out there as long as they're not irritating to the gut and they're good for you to digest and they work in your body. There's just so many ways to get around these nostalgic favorites that we had as a child that, you know, pop tarts, like, and I see people on TikTok defending pop tarts (laughs) to the death, like literally, you know, brands that say pop tarts are bad for you. They're just, it's just fear mongering. And it's, they're making, they're causing people to have disordered eating. And I, I had disordered eating for several years and I was a marathon runner. I know what that feels like, but I wasn't looking at the ingredients. I was looking at how many calories is this? You know, I was eating hundred calorie snack packs and like quest bars with the lowest fat possible. Like that's what I was living on as opposed mm-hmm. to looking at the cleanliness of ingredients. So I think we're moving to this space where people really understand sugar's impact and are consuming it, but consuming it more in moderation. That's really my goal. And if I can do that by just removing sugar completely from our bar, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's key. Like you said, knowing the, the source of sugar, right? Like and and I will say, like, eating your bar, you would not know. Like, it is so delicious, so tasty. So like, tasty. I'm just, like, little, like I said, it's they're like magic. They're just, <gasps> when I have that craving for sweetness, like, this is what I grab now. Um, but, yeah, it's like, and especially, like, as an athlete, I used to be a runner. I mean, I still run, but I used to, like, cross country and all those things. And yes. I think, like, we're just so, our culture, um, it's just, our consumerism and everything, it's like protein, 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 right? Which I have my opinions on that. But with that tends to come a lot of sugar and all the other stuff because we're not really like scanning all the ingredients. We just see like 40 grams of protein and we're like, okay, done, totally. you know? Totally. Um, yeah. And, and I protein think- is kind of, it's like disgust, <laughs> like protein, <laughs> like whey protein is, I mean, we use, we use a blend of pea protein, pumpkin seed protein. We've got hemp protein in the cinnamon cookie dough bar. It's, we use almond protein. But on its own, those proteins, especially pea, I mean, we have a really great source of pea proteins. It's very neutral, but some protein sources, they they taste really like earthy and no Mm -hmm. one wants to eat the earth, right? So (laughs) hypothetically, even though that would be good for us. So you have to add those sugars and artificial flavorings and natural flavors. I'm putting that in air quotes for anyone Mm -hmm. that's not watching because it covers up that protein taste. So because we do get people who are like, oh, well, these only have like eight to 10 grams of protein you know, can I eat two? We usually recommend people to eat one. This is a snack. It's not necessarily meant like if you are running a marathon, like I would, you know, I might have one post race, but I would not be eating it as like my only source of fuel. Mm -hmm. That is not what the positioning of the brand is. We are a snack brand at our core, not necessarily like we're fitness or post-workout. And we do, we get a lot of, um, get a lot of bros on TikTok come at us and be like, but I can have a premier protein bar with 50 grams of protein. First of all, your body can't even digest 50 grams of protein <laughs> after you just lifted, probably with incorrect form. I'm a former person. I might've mentioned this. I'm a former personal trainer. Most men have incorrect form on the floor. Um, it's just, it's so interesting to see what people think about protein and they'd rather add sugar to get more protein. It's really, really mm-hmm. interesting. So I'm, I'm hoping that we're in a, we're moving towards this space of, you know, sugar in moderation, people understanding that there's, there could be 10 ingredients on the label and five of them could be added sugar. That's just abominable to me. Like use, if you want to use sugar, just use one sugar, one yeah. type of sugar and just a couple grams. Like you don't, we don't need to overdo it because that's what trains our taste buds to crave it over time. Mm-hmm. 
But that's where like marketing of brands is so tricky, right? Because when I learned that, it's like they break down sugar into so many different names just mm-hmm. so that sugar isn't the first ingredient, exactly. right? It, it gets like really tricky. And like as consumers, we don't, you know what I mean? Unless you know you have, you know, a background in food, nutrition, those things, like we don't know to look for those things. We don't know the like, what I think you had a real, right? And it's like 60 something different names for sugar. It's wild, right? It's yeah. just like- And I didn't even know them all. I had to look, <laughs> I had to look some of them up. So I was like- turbinado sugar, like this, it's, you know, icing sugar, but it exists. It's, Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I try and do like, when I look at ingredients, I'm like, I try and do like five ingredients less, but if it's more like, I have to know everything. I don't want to have to like re- Google it. Like I wanted to like know exactly what it was. And that's why when I looked at yours, I was like, I know everything in this. <laughs> it's I like, that. that's, it's that's all like amazing. For. Yes. That's yeah. what we're going for is that there's not one ingredient that you have to compromise on. Mm-hmm. So and we, we do have some people that are like, I don't like monk fruit. I'd rather have a natural, like I'd rather have like a honey or a maple syrup. And I'm like, totally understand usually because monk fruit can have an after can, can, potentially have an aftertaste, but it depends on where you're sourcing it from. Mm. So same thing with stevia. I, like I said, I'm not the biggest stevia fan because stevia also has like, there's some research, there's some side effects, like maybe it can cause headaches. Monk fruit is literally good for you. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to put that in and replace the honey and maple syrup. So just because if we, if we don't need to add 10 grams of sugar, you know, down the line, we are coming out with a new product line this year. We're very excited about it. There's also no added sugar in that product line and it is not a bar. So that's <laughs> exciting. Um, but down the line, we might, you know, we might, we might use a little bit of coconut sugar. We might use a little bit of honey, but it's just not something, especially in bars in, given all the bars that have like 15, 20 grams of sugar, there's just no need to have another one on the market like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do you source your ingredients? Like how port and how important, like, obviously, you know, it, it is important. Like when you look at the ingredients that are in here, but like, how do you source it? And like, how, how do you not compromise on the quality? Right. Cause some, I mean, I, I don't have any brand-based businesses, but I, or product-based business, but I can understand, you know, that that might sometimes maybe an issue. Oh my goodness. Especially in supply chain. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason we were out of stock in 2021 three times is because we, we do not compromise anywhere. So we, you know, we'll have an entire like sourcing database and we're trying to source locally wherever possible. So like our almond butter and our, our almonds are actually sourced right from here in California. And we're sourcing usually from small farms. So because a lot of people are like, oh, well, are you going to get USDA organic certified? We might down the line. Sometimes though, a lot of, a lot of those, a lot of times those farms are very large and have a lot of money. And we're usually sourcing from these smaller domestic farms where we actually know the farmer. We have some more connection where they can say like, we don't use pesticides. Like here's our proof. Here's our certifications as opposed to larger farms that can actually get the funding to get USC organic certified. These smaller farms don't always have that. So we, but all of our Every single ingredient that we use is pesticide free. So we like to tell, and I have to put that on our website. I keep forgetting. I have to put that on our mm-hmm. website because we do use nuts, right? So like I want people to know like pesticide free. We're working on get, you know, getting USA organic certified nuts. So it's coming. But it's a little that's a little bit challenging when we're trying to source as close to home as possible. So we have this whole database, you know, we a lot of it has to do with taste, what there's, you know, the certificate, uh, you know, certificate of authenticity and origin and where all of the ingredients are coming from. We try to keep like our maca. Maca is grown in Peru. We don't really want maca that's grown in the state somewhere because it's grown probably artificially because it has to grow at these like high altitudes. So we get our maca straight from Peru. So, you know, doing a lot of research is 
so, so helpful. My experience working at a supplement company was extremely helpful with the operations side of things and being able to know where you should be going, what are the best ingredients that you should be using, and then trying to just stick to your convictions where, you know, we do, we co-pack. So we work with a manufacturer and they're like, well, we can get this other ingredient from, you know, some from Canada. Like, how do you feel about that? And I'm like, well, I need to try samples. We got to get everything through testing. So there's the ingredients get tested as raw ingredients. Then the final product gets tested. It's a whole process. The reason why, you know, we're so slow to bring things to market is because we're so diligent about what we bring to market. And I just, sometimes I'm like, I see all these brands and they like launch things and it's like these monthly drops or, I mean, there's some bar companies that launch like three new flavors, like every two weeks. I'm like, how do you, how do you do it? And it's most of the time it's because a lot of companies have a base recipe and then they just like throw a natural flavor in there and it's different. So you can have your base blueberry bar, a blueberry muffin bar. And it's like the same thing as like your chocolate bar, but it has a different natural flavor in it. Mm. We don't do that. All of our recipes, although they are nut butter based, they're all different. Mm. (laughs) It requires so much time. So we do have a fifth flavor. It's coming. If you love cinnamon cookie dough, you're going to love this. (laughs) Yes. I love it. So then how, like, as you grow and expand, like, how do you keep the integrity of those ingredients as well? It's just, I mean, as you just explained, basically just making sure you're testing everything through. Yeah. And I think that's also like, I, I'm a person, I, this is where I get this from my mom. We're really strong people, people of principle. So if it means like we can't produce the product and we're going to be out of stock, for a couple of weeks, it means we're going to be out of stock for a couple of weeks. And I'm going to educate people about why. So we do, you know, I try to get on Instagram as much as possible, share about it and, you know, explain. And then also we're going to expand our team because right now it's just me and my husband who, you know, we've brought on pretty kind of part-time, full-time um, to do all of our fulfillment and logistics, but we need an operations manager because right now it's just me doing it. And it takes a lot of time away from my favorite parts of the business, which is like this, you know, Mm -hmm. recording podcasts, sharing the story, really building the brands. Like that's, what's the most exciting part. Um, so as we expand the team that will also help, um, but supply chain's tough. So we really, we have to stay on top of it, especially given the crazy things that happened during the pandemic. And there's just always something happening in the world and it is, it's terrible and it's sad and it really impacts our food system. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, everything, all pricing has gone up. I mean, the pricing of like cardboard has gone up, which has really impacted us with our shipping. And it's, it's been tough, but we're trying to just keep on saying to myself, okay, we're going to just stick to what we know and what we do best and sourcing and our quality and getting things as sustainably sourced as possible is really important to us. And if we have to raise prices down the line, or if we have to charge shipping down the line, we're going to educate people as to why. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of really, it all comes down to your gut and like listening to what you know is right as a business owner, and then having to educate your community as to why. Mm-hmm. How do you, because I can imagine the industry is very loud, right? Like how do you come back to yourself and ground yourself in times when it's just like, all this is coming at you? Cause I mean, you know, in just in the health and wellness, right. It's just, you can feel really ungrounded with like everything that's going on. So how do you, what tools do you have to like stay centered and like stay true to the mission and purpose? Yeah, I, I wish I wish I had a bigger toolbox, but I, I come back to, you know, I usually, this is where I like to, to talk to my parents and I like to literally out loud, ask them questions about what they think would be best. And I try to really channel their energy and channel how, 
what they would say. And as you know, someone you know, I just knew them so well, those messages just come in loud and clear. And you know, I like to say I, I've always have said like I run the business fifty percent data focused and fifty percent on gut and intuition because you just know. And I talked to so many other food founders. There is so much noise. You hear so much. There's your competitors. There's people in competitive categories. And you're like, well, why am I not doing this? I should be doing more. I could be you know on this television show, etc. You see all of these things, and it's like it can it can get really intense. And I just have to step back and be like, I am this is our mission and I'm doing this for, to honor my parents and to bring something to the market that doesn't exist, which is really hard to do. And it's really hard to break through. And especially on social media where, you know, some things like I've been filming a lot of content lately and some of it works and some of it bombs. And when it bombs, I'm like, oh my goodness, I not even like that. I spent so much time on it, but I'm like, oh, I was so excited about this. I thought like this educational tidbit would be so fun. And like, people don't give a shit Mm. (laughs) like, okay. All right. So, but we're going to keep going anyway, because Mm -hmm. there is someone who cares and one person can influence another person. So I'm just like trying to think about that sphere of influence and what I can control and what I can't. So that, you know, talking to my parents is the best way for me to stay grounded. And then usually going for a walk, literally clearing my head and just like live in San Francisco. So we like look at the water. It's that's my way of just relaxing and trying to ground myself and not think about anything that's going to get me too worked up. Mm -hmm. I love that. Like, like you said, cause like sometimes I'll post things on like, I'm not like huge into TikTok. I know I need to get into it more, but like, I don't know if I'm just too old for it. <laughs> like, I don't know how it works. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's a really cool platform, but it, yeah. the haters are there and they will yeah. come for you. That's yeah. how you know you've made it. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, like, like you said too, like, I think like when I post sometimes, sometimes I'm just like, man, this is gold. People are going to love it. And then I'm like five views. I'm like, really? <laughs> I, know. It's, it's I try so and like stay away from the numbers because it's just like, that's a good tip. That really is. I have to put that into my toolbox, but I just can't. I don't know if it's, it's like the Virgo in me that's like this perfectionist. Mm. Like, but I worked hard on this. I, you know, I, I have the the trending sound. Why would this not get pushed out? Like, I just mm-hmm. don't understand. And yeah. then I start questioning things, and I'm like, well, let me go take a look at this other brand's TikToks. And I'm like, why did this get pushed out? And I'm like this is literally me going down a rabbit hole that is completely useless. So usually I also vent to my husband a lot, who is, um, who's 12 years older than me. So he's like, TikTok, what? So <laughs> it, he's like, I, I don't care about TikTok, but I just talk at him essentially because mm-hmm. he never really, he doesn't really provide any solutions, but it's good because I hear my own voice. And he's like, why do you care so much? And that just that one question mm-hmm. Like you're right. Like who cares if this had 300 views on TikTok when I thought it could get 3,000? Doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. Just keep doing, keep pushing. Try not to get caught up in all of these things, but it can be discouraging. It really, yeah, can. for sure. Yeah, and I think like you said, just that in itself. Like just keep showing up. You know what I mean? Because like that is it. It's so powerful. Because it could be easy to just be like, oh, I'm done. Nobody's watching or whatever. But but I think like your audience is watching. You know, whether it's now or at a different timeline, like they are watching. Totally. Yeah. So when did your spiritual journey start? Have you always been spiritual or has that been more in like, you know, since your parents passed, like if you want to speak to that? I I think it's definitely been more since my parents passed. Um, I grew up, my my father was very religious and my father was Protestant. 
Um, but I grew up Catholic. So I actually went to Catholic school for nine years from uh, kindergarten through eighth grade. And I did not have the best experience going to Catholic school for nine years. I actually felt like I was bullied a lot. I was kind of like that smart, weird kid, um, like was just not popular. And then in high school, it was wonderful. I went to um, like a technical high school. So you had to take a placement test to get in. And I like met all of my friends and all of my people. We were all, you know, weird drama, like robotics. It was, it was just such a fun place. So usually people are like, my high school was horrible, but my grammar school was pretty bad. So I don't think I had the best experience with necessarily like organized religion, but I've always had a faith. So when my parents got sick, I, my father was, you know, just constantly, cause my mom passed first and my father would keep this journal and he would write to my mom every single day. And I think just seeing him and his strong faith and, you know, it kind of gave me this, this feeling of, I can still be connected to her and I can still be connected to her spirit. And I I think that that's really what, you know, prompted me to start exploring more. And then I just started to become more open to talking to them out loud. And I think that was what changed things because I think like when I was thinking about them, it was more in like, more in memory. Sometimes like that brought up a lot of emotion, whether it was anger or it was grief. But when I actually started talking to them, like they were still here and I felt like they were answering. I was like, wow, okay, this is, this is, there's something here. And I, um, one of my best friends is extremely spiritual. So she is an energy healer in San Diego. And I think also when we met that really opened up this other door and we, we've been friends for three years now, but before that, I I didn't really have anyone to talk to because I didn't have anyone in my family or friends circle. And my husband is not, husband is not religious and he is not spiritual. So when I talk to him, he's like, okay, cool. Like he just supports me and kind of looks at me, you know, with a blank stare. And he's like, okay, whatever, whatever makes you feel good. And, and that's actually, I mean, my father would always say, and this was before my parents got sick. He would always say like, I believe because it makes, it gives me hope and it gives me, it gives me this sense that, you know, we have more purpose here than as opposed to, you know, we're on this earth, we work, we work, we work, we die. And he's like, I don't want that. Like, I don't want, even if, even if this is the biggest hoax in the world and there is no, you know, spiritual world beyond this, I need to have that belief now because it makes me feel like there's something to work towards. And, and what is it like, what's the harm in having that belief system? So I think like all of that culminated. And then, especially when I moved to California, where I feel like there's a coming from New York city. I mean, there were definitely spiritual people, but New York is not a spiritual place lived right in the the heart of Manhattan. It is very loud and noisy and energetic, probably in not the best ways, but moving to California, being closer to nature, all of these things really enhanced the journey. And now I really, I feel my parents actually in nature a lot. So my mom, I feel like she has come to me as a hummingbird and my father has come to me as a sparrow. So every time I see a hummingbird or I see a a, a sparrow or a little baby bird, I feel like my parents are there talking to me and it's just, it's so wonderful. So, and it's just a a nice reassuring feeling. Mm That's so beautiful. I love that. Like what, exactly what your dad said. Sometimes like I will be sitting here meditating, you know, and like in my spiritual practice and I'm like, what if all of this is for nothing? But then I'm like, but I'm happy. You know, it, it literally makes me happy to have a belief that somebody is taking care of me, you know? Exactly. So exactly. I think that is so powerful and that is so beautiful. When you like started speaking to them and, and like hearing them or how, how did you receive them? Was it like their audible voice or was it a feeling? Like, how did you receive that? 
Yeah. So usually, um, so when we have conversations and I feel like they're actually like full conversations, I would get messages that were like basically planted. And, you know, I, I know some people call them downloads to me. They're just like messages that are planted in my head. And I was like, maybe it's just my own brain thinking that way. Right. And then my, my best friend, her name is Sydney. She was like, no, no, that's like, if it's not coming from you, like if it's not even in your, like how you would say things that is coming from another power that's coming from another spirit. And it's probably coming from your parents. And it's funny. She said, you know, if you can't remember, like in the moment, if you get your answer and you can move forward, that's great. But in, if you can't remember what that message was without writing it down, like, you know, 20 minutes later, it's not coming from you. Right. So it's not your gut. It's not your brain telling you anything. It's literally another source. And that's usually like how the messages have been kind of just like dropped into my head. I love that. I, so like, sometimes I'll like free, I'll like get it, I'll meditate and then I'll like free write. I'll like intentionally tap in and like, I'll read it back sometimes. I'm like, this is so formal. Like I don't talk like this. <laughs> it's so funny. So I, yeah, I like that. I, I think like for a long time I would, I would like almost like push it. Cause like I wanted to be tapped in and I wanted to hear messages and it was almost like creating this resistance. Right. And I was like, yeah, everything that would come through. I'm like, no, that that's just gotta be me making it up, you know? But so, like, how did you, how did you, what, so it was your friend that kind of allowed you to really just accept that it was outside of yourself. Yeah. And then I think also, you know, intuitively there's some things where I'm like, I'm reaching here. And then there's some messages where it's just like as, as clear as day, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. And then I also, my parents also appear a lot in my dreams. So mm-hmm. I do get a lot of these like sub, I made very uh, vivid dreamer, even um, I know this is being released in May, but surprise, everyone <laughs> will hopefully know I, I'm pregnant. So in May, I will be eight months, seven and a half months pregnant. So when you're pregnant, your dreams are even more vivid as you know. And, but before even being pregnant, I, they were in my dreams all the time visiting. And, you know, some of them were very traumatic dreams and it was reliving their death. Um, they still have those dreams and, you know, I have to remind myself like they're here just because they're protecting me. They want to make sure that they're, you know, they are always top of mind, but they're coming in and they're entering in different ways in my life to say hi. And it's just, you know, thinking about the spiritual world, what I, what I perceive it to be and like what I, my human brain probably can't even comprehend is that they need to get creative in the ways that they're, they're going to talk to us Mm. and give us messages and be, and protect us. Whereas like we, you know, as humans, I might be like, I need a clear message and a clear sign. Now, when I look at the clock, like it's got to say three, three, three and, or something along those lines. And I was getting a little rigid in, you know, the requests that I was asking instead of just being like, when you're ready, like, give me a message, but here, I'm going to at least start the conversation. And I, you know, I want to hear you, right. I want to hear you come through me and just kind of like opening myself up to that, as opposed to being like, well, by eight o'clock tonight, like I want a message and I'd like to see a hummingbird on the TV. So I I was just (laughs) setting such very specific expectations, which I don't really know, you know, do spirits even exist on time? Like, it's just, we don't know enough. And I'm just trying to like go with the flow a little bit more. And if it makes me feel better, like what you were saying, like that's all that matters. So Mm -hmm. as a person with a lot of anxiety and a control freak, 100% admit to that, anything that can make me feel calm and protected and safe, I'm going to 
open my arms to. Mm-hmm. Well, even like, as it relates to spirituality, like when you think about food and movement, like we need variety, if we're doing the same thing over and over, like it, especially like fitness, right. Our body plateaus and we're not like being able to push. So like, why wouldn't it be any different with spirituality? Oh, true. You know, like that. even like, so what does your spiritual practice look like? And, and, and so you did mention you were a manifesting generator before we hit record. Do you know like your profile or your authority or anything? I do not. So okay. ma- manifesting generator, uh, which makes a lot of sense for who for who I am, and I feel like I I understand a little bit more about astrology. And mm-hmm. actually, I went to a new, so actually I, I forgot this story, and it just came to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a, see a numerologist after my father passed away because at this point I'm like, my parents are gone. I you know I need to talk to someone else, and it was just this was oh my goodness, this was before before the pandemic, like before all of the things. And the things that this numerologist was saying, and also really like foreboding 2020, he was like, 2020 is a year of like flux. So do not do anything like do not move, do not, you know, buy a home, do not switch jobs. Here I am designed <laughs> from my job and started my company. He's like, 2020 is just, it's standing out in my mind. So I'm like, okay. thinking back that was the pandemic. Um, but I wish, I wish I had a more firm spiritual practice it's definitely not. It's more when I feel in the moment, I do meditate. Um, I try to meditate daily, at least five to 10 minutes. That's more for like me being in pregnancy and trying to calm down my, my nerves. Um, but I, I try, I do talk to my parents every day. That's part of the spiritual practice, but it, it could be at different times. Like sometimes it's in the middle of the day and I'm like, this is a really challenging moment in the business right now. I just need to center myself and I just need to talk to you. I have a lot of pictures and letters. Like I have picture boards with my parents in my apartment. I've got letters that they wrote to me. I try to read them once a week just to hear their voice and to feel them around. That's pretty much the extent of it. It's like talking to them every day, but I wish I had more of a, an actual set practice. And this is what my best friend always says all the time. Like you should invite them in, like have dinner with them. And and I, I was doing that for a bit. Um, that was before I started the business. And now it's more of like, okay, I need to talk to you because we have a question about the business and I need to channel you. Um, so, and I think my parents, especially my father, who, like I mentioned, entrepreneur at heart would totally understand. So, but I definitely need to get more of that routine. Mm. Well, but you know, as an MG, this is where I, like my, my routine, um, fluctuates a lot because I do have to like be intuitive with it. And when I get like really rigid and structured in it, then I, then it doesn't become fun for me anymore. And yeah, manifesting generators just need to be like, you know, like doing their thing. And they just, they're so like multi-passionate that it's like sitting in meditation every single day. Like I meditate every day, but it looks different every day. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm doing five to 10 minutes of just like, you know, actual silent meditation. Sometimes it's guided. Sometimes it's yoga nidras. Sometimes it's just running, right? Like running, running can be meditations where I'm like, I have no thoughts right now. I'm just like focused on my body. Right. It's really like getting that in there. And so, yeah, even for you speaking to your parents, you know, however it looks like throughout the day, you're still calling in that, that spiritual side. So I think that's really powerful. Totally. How did you, so like going back a little bit, how did you originally, cause I know you said you had a nutrition background, like education, nutrition. So how did that, have you always just been interested in that? Or was it something that happened that kind of like pulled you in that direction? You know, how did that uh, come, come about? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so I have a background in biochemistry and food studies. So the food studies piece of it, was I thought it would be a little bit more nutrition oriented. 
And it actually wasn't, it was actually more about food systems and supply chains. So that's actually, it was very, very helpful for business, but I've always been a foodie. So, and I, I was an overweight kid, loved food, um, overweight teenager. And then I, you know, kind of right around the time my, my mom got sick um, and was diagnosed, I was starting to feel this like passion to lose weight and not necessarily to get healthy, to lose weight because I would, had always been overweight my entire life. And I discovered how quickly you can lose weight when you, you know, restrict your calories, when you restrict pretty much everything in your life, not necessarily looking at the ingredients, just looking at my intake and working out like a crazy person. And, and I, I probably even destroyed my love for working out a bit too much. I was with, there were points where I was like working out three times a day, but it was to lose weight. So totally disordered eating. And then I, you know, I I was a personal trainer for many years and I got a nutrition specialization. And so I got my certification and that helped me understand more about what macros look like, what not necessarily counting calories, not necessarily counting anything, just being able to be open to what the ingredients are in your body. And this was the same time as my parents were getting diagnosed. And I was like, everything kind of fell into this space of, it was just so synchronous where I was like, food became my life. I was thinking about food in a way of not in a negative way, whereas food had always been my life. Like, Oh, what am I going to eat for my next meal? How many calories is that going to be? I should write it down in the notes section of my phone. That was the addictive obsessive part of food. And then I felt, I just like literally fell in love with it all over again as a form of healing. And how can I use food to heal myself? How can I use food to heal, help my clients? How can I use my food to help heal my parents or at least make them feel better? Um, so that's really where the, you know, the love came from. I think before it was just, you know, I had this phase where I was, was younger and I was like, I love food. I'm going to eat everything in front of my face. Then I went to I love food, but I'm going to restrict it because I know how it's going to make my body look, but not necessarily feel. And then I went to this space where it's like food has so much power and love. So kind of combining those two Mm -hmm. in a way where it's just, you know, I feel so much freer and so much healthier now. And I mean, even when I was at my thinnest and my fittest, putting that in air quotes, my hair was falling out. Like my hair was so dry. I couldn't, I was just, wasn't getting nutrients in my body. And it was just, it was definitely, it was affecting my skin. It was like peeling off my face, but I was like, but I'm a hundred pounds. This is the perfect weight. And it just, that wasn't, that wasn't right. And when I just let my body gain back, you know, the 20 pounds that it gained back, like that's where my body wanted to be mm-hmm. and just letting it be where it wanted to be while starting to look at the actual like nutritional value of food that changed everything. Mm-hmm. And how did, how did you, what did that shift look like? I mean, going from gosh, we're three, three workouts a day. That's, that's a lot. Um, one of like, those was usually teaching. Cause I taught okay. class as well too. Okay. So two like of my own workouts. Mm-hmm. And then one was, you know, I, I, I taught Zumba. I taught TRX, you know, anything possible, mm-hmm. anything that could get my body moving even more. Mm-hmm. So like on your days off though, were you working out that intensely or was it still like, did you work out seven days a week? Oh yeah. 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 So, and my, my husband, my husband knows because my husband is extremely fit and he met me while I was a personal trainer and I was like correcting his form, of course, while he was at the day. And that, that's how we, that's how we fell in love. Um, and he would just, I mean, my husband works out probably five days a week still now, like super fit, just loves working out just for the adrenaline and just for the mental state. But he, he said to, he's like, I feel like 
you're doing this for something else, like for some other reason. And it was this just, I I do have an addictive personality. So I, you know, whatever I do, whether it's work, whether it's, you know, creating a new recipe, I'm throwing myself in 150%. I was like, okay, this is great. This gives me an opportunity to train for the marathon. So I trained for, you know, I ran New York city. I ran like eight half marathons. And now it just, you know, starting my own business and also working at a startup, both of those things helped balance and ground me because I had no choice. There was just no way when you're working at a startup, you're working 90 hours a week. It's, and it was something I loved. So I was like, whatever, I don't care. That was just like forced me to taper back my exercise. Um, and being pregnant, I'm actually not, I'm not really working out a ton pregnant, but I'm doing like the movement that I want. So whether that's prenatal yoga, I go for walks, every, well, try to go for walks every day, um, and nice long walks, go for little hikes. Like that's what I love now. And I still do love running, although I haven't been running, um, in my second trimester because it's just things I am like, wow, my body is just different. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm lucky I can walk for 45 minutes. So usually before I have to pee, so I can't yeah. go for a long <laughs> run anyway. Yeah. So it's just mm-hmm. all of these things in life have kind of forced me. And this is where I'm like, maybe my my parents are protecting me, right? Like they're telling me, stop, Ashley, like take a second to breathe. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I love how life like sometimes just forces you to do the thing that you need, that you know, you need like my, I relate, I I didn't work out three times a day, but like when I first started working out, so I like, I always did cross country. And then in my twenties, I kind of was just like, you know, party phase. I got pregnant with my daughter. I just like, whatever. Um, and then after my son, I was like, I was 30 when I had my son. So things just didn't like bounce back as it did when I was like 23, you know, having a child. So I just found like I needed, but I was also in a really bad relationship too. So for me, I was like punishing my body in the beginning. So I was like six, most times seven days a week in the gym for like two hours as a way to like get out of my house, but also Mm -hmm. to just like feel my emotions physically, right? Like to have that. Um, And then, so I'm studying Ayurveda and I don't know if you're familiar with Ayurveda, but I have a really high Vata imbalance. And so for me, I'm like, I'm go, go, go. And like all these things and Pitta is like, obviously in there, like secondary. Um, And so I know I need to slow down with the workouts, but I'm so, and I just think like in general here, we're just like, we need to like work hard and we need to work fast. And that's just like our culture. Um, But yeah, with my job now, like I started, um, cause I, I had a lot more flexibility in it before. And then things change, things happen. And now I'm like basically nine to five. And I'm like, between getting the kids to school, I, I just like, I have to, it's forcing me to slow down and do like yoga at night or some other gentle movements. Like, I don't know. Are you familiar with the class? I've heard of it. Uh So, but I've never taken one. Okay. Well, there's like all sorts of different workouts. Like you can do like uh, sculpt and, and more intense, but generally like the workouts are very, it's like dance and it's very like connecting with your body and breathing. And so I'm doing those at night to get some sort of movement in, but it doesn't feel like that at the gym with weights. And today I like looked at my arms. I'm like, they're not as strong as they were, but like, also I feel good. You know, so I think that's like, should be the gauge for us. Um, Yeah. So like, even for you, I would imagine like just kind of finding that balance, just that feeling. And that's always my goal, like with clients and stuff. I'm like, I want you to just feel good. Right. Cause like when you feel good, you're not judging yourself so much. It's all of the, the metrics don't really matter as much because you just like genuinely feel good. Exactly. And I I do feel like, you know, when I was younger and in my twenties and I was also punishing myself because Mm -hmm. when my parents were sick and I remember going to the gym and I'm like, my mom is going through so much. If she can go through chemo, can go through radiation, can go through all of these surgeries. 
I can't deadlift 180 pounds. Like what is wrong with you? And that was the message. And it was more of like beating myself up. And I remember why I used to run. There was definitely a component of like, oh, well, if I run, this is cardio and I'll lose more weight. And that was one part of it. But the other reason it was literally to run away from the the pain and the drama and, you know, this, this tragedy. And it's, you know, when I really just kind of sat and thought about it and discovered more of the spiritual side of myself, it changed, it really just changed the game. And cause it never really made me happy. I was just like, I just felt accomplished, mm. but that's not necessarily the same thing. And I feel like as I age, especially in the business and having a business, you never feel really feel like you're done. Like I have to make a conscious choice and be like, okay, it is midnight. I'm not done by any stretch of the imagination. You can always do more. You gotta, you gotta close the laptop. You gotta watch an episode of friends. Like that is just (laughs) as I age, I'm like, this is, this is really important because in addition to food, I feel like the number one cause of all of the things in our lives, stress, it's totally stress. And it's, you know, food can heal being less stressed, being less anxious, being more mindful can heal us as well. And I just feel like as I'm aging, I'm hoping that I'm getting healthier. And, you know, by every time I go for blood work, every time I go for hormone testing, like things are just getting better than they were when I was at my lightest, which people think like, oh, well, you're skinny. You must be so healthy. Like, no, that is not necessarily the case at all. It's because I'm eating real food ingredients. I'm trying to keep my mind, you know, occupied, but also like opening myself up to emotion. When I feel something, I'm going to feel it and I'm not going to apologize for it. And all of that, I think it just, it comes with time because if I, you know, spoke to myself in my twenties, be like, that's because you're not hustling hard enough, Ashley. And I'm like, I'm hustling super hard. You know, I am growing a business. I'm growing a person. Got to give yourself a little grace. And that is not something I did in my twenties at all. (laughs) Yeah. Food is so, so powerful. And yeah, like cleaning up those ingredients is so important. And like, uh, I had a thought and it completely just left my mind. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I talk <laughs> no, it's okay. so much. I apologize. <laughs> there was something I was going to say to a point that, oh, that's what I was going to say. Like when you, you know, like our, our body can only stress our digest, right? So it's like, like you said, you may be a hundred pounds, but like if your body is in stress mode, everything you're consuming is like your, your body does not know what to do with it. So it's, totally. it's an important, you know, t- you can have the most perfect diet and it literally falls flat in your body. Cause it's just totally. like, you're so in stress mode. So like I said, I think just like consuming the right foods and same thing. Like I feel, of course I weigh more now. I weigh, I'm the heaviest now than I've ever been. Right. But I'm also like, I know I'm healthy by the numbers. And I think my body just, I've been, I recently got off birth control. Cause I was like, maybe there's like a little water retention there, but some bloating, you know, I'm not expecting to lose like 10 pounds, like maybe two. Right. But like, I'm just what I feel like, yeah, my, my blood work, my health, like all that stuff is so much better than it was in my twenties. And so it's like, maybe my body just wants to sit at this weight right now, you know, and it, it, it is what it is. So I, I feel good. I'm not like, we all have those moments, right. Where we get in our head and just like, ah, I'm not what I was when I was 20, but we're never going to be. <laughs> I mean, like, and that's unless we, you know, and I, I even think back and I'm, you know, I, I was looking through my camera roll and I was like, wow, I was, I was like, I look at myself and I'm like, I was too skinny. Like, what was I thinking? Mm-hmm. And it was just, you get into this, you know, I definitely had some body dysmorphia and because at my heaviest, I was 105 feet. I was 180 pounds at my heaviest. So mm-hmm. it's definitely overweight. And 
it's, I just, I think I just developed this complex of, well, the smaller I get, the better. And it was kind of like this challenge with myself. And once again, not focused on the ingredients whatsoever, just literally focused on becoming smaller and taking up less space, which I'm like, why was I even thinking about that? And, you know, now as, as I'm pregnant, I'm like, I want to grow. Like when I see my, like my, my belly popped and it's like the cutest thing. And I, but I was like waiting for it. And I, I told, I went to my OBGYN and I said, where's my belly? Like where, wh- why am I not popping yet? She's like, calm down. Everything's fine. Like you're e- eating more. And I'm like, okay, this is good. And I, I just, I want to pop because it's, it also means you're growing life. Like you're bringing life into this world. Like your body, women's bodies are supposed to change. And I think it's just, I think as we age, we just get wiser, but it's still so easy to get caught up in our own heads. It's all up here. It's the narrative that we tell ourselves that, you know, I, I tell myself every day and I sometimes just got to say like, shut up, like be quiet. This is like an evil voice. That's not really serving me. And maybe it's coming up from some insecurities that I had when I was like 16 years old. That is, has no place in in my day right now. And I just literally tell it to shut up and usually it goes away. Mm -hmm. Something you just said was so powerful to me that like, when you look back at those pictures of when you were thinnest, like you are playing, it's like, to me, I got this visual of like, you know, like we keep ourselves in this small little box. Right. And then you're describing now, like just wanting to be open and like grow and like all these things. I think that is such so beautiful. And I don't know if that's the analogy that you meant, but that was just like, it is. Yeah. (laughs) I want to take up more space. As we should. Yes. And Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's the, the thing is like, we think like, okay, the smaller that we are, it's, I also felt like my voice was being restricted too, because I was just putting myself in this little box. And now, you know, that I'm, I'm not the heaviest I've been, but I'm like, you know, right in the middle. And I love it. I love it. Cause I'm like, okay, this is like me well-fed me in a place where I feel good. And I, I feel I'm not tired. I'm not sluggish. I'm not falling asleep at my desk because I'm well-nourished. And, you know, that is what's important. And it's, I, as spiritual as I am, I do believe, and I always tell everyone, like, find a good medical practitioner, however that looks for you, could be a naturopathic doctor. I did see a naturopath for many years. Um, I have an amazing medical team here in San Francisco. It's important. It is really important to get routine blood work, to get routine hormonal testing. Like it's telling you what's going on in your body as intuitive as I am. I also... (laughs) this could be the Virgo in me. I need to see the data and I need to see the numbers as well. Like I feel really good, but is there anything that not necessarily could be improving, but is there anything that I need to have? Like, is there a red flag anywhere? And I think that also comes from like my biggest fear, right? Is is sickness. It just is. And I think a lot of people have that fear. And then after watching both my parents pass away, being in the room with them, watching their spirits leave their body, I, I have to make sure that I'm taking care of myself, my family, my baby, as everything has to be right. So I always do tell people like find a good medical practitioner or team that you trust. Cause there are a lot of crazy people out there that are just going to say diet means nothing. Like, don't worry about it. And then they put you on blood pressure medication. Like they're the wrong practitioner, but there are really good people in Western medicine that also have like a holistic side of them. So try to find that blend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to that, I think like, I always urge people, if you don't feel right, like trust your body too, because sometimes I think with 
you know, well-intentioned Western medicine are our actual needs and what our body is telling us goes unheard because it doesn't match something on a paper. Right. So it's like, get a second opinion, find somewhere else. Like, you know, I have like my regular doctor and I started going to an Ayurvedic doctor for like the food health perspective. Right. Cause that yes. isn't necessarily incorporated in Western medicine, but I think like, it's just so important. And that's like my whole like mission and purpose is like helping people trust themselves because it changed my life being able to be like, this is what I want. Um, and I actually, you know, like, yeah, just trusting that. So that is, that's so important. And that's like, when you dig into deeper into the numbers, and this is me, every time I literally look at my blood work is if I see anything that's suboptimal, that's the thing with that Western medicine does not flag. And mm -hmm. usually we're living in this suboptimal space and we can actually be doing something to put us in these optimal levels. But they're like, oh, suboptimal is fine, right? Like you're kind of on the cusp, but that's okay because it'll probably just resolve itself. But there's something, there's things that we can do by healing ourselves with food that can put us into this optimal range, make us feel better on a daily basis and also prolong our lives. So I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I feel yeah. like there's just such a, a good combination. I happen to really, really luck out my medical practitioner, uh, my primary care doctor. He is like, I feel like he has like a background in Ayurveda. Cause he's always mm -hmm. like, why don't we try this food, you know, to make, to work on your thyroid. And I'm like, wow. like, I love that, but it's a rare find. So yeah. interview your doctors because mm -hmm. There is no need to have someone. I mean, I remember my gastroenterologist when I went for my first colonoscopy, literally drinking diet Coke and was like, you don't have to change your diet. Like you keep eating the quest bars. Like it's totally fine. I'm like, I'm mm. not going to listen to you. You're drinking diet Coke. It's like, yeah. here, just take Miralax every day, twice a day. I'm like there has to be another way. I am not drinking this shit. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, I think, yeah, nutrition needs to be more incorporated in there. So what do you suggest for, uh, like people who are maybe just getting, cause I think nutrition is so like daunting, I guess, for someone who's not necessarily, if they're starting this, right. Cause there's just so much to it, right. There's our consumerism here, marketing. It's just like crazy. Um, but just like, I always like, for me, my advice is always like, if you can eliminate juice, cause that's so high in sugar and it's like so unnecessary, like, but like, do you have any tools to just kind of like taking that first step to like understanding or get a grasp on like health and nutrition? Yeah, I think, you know, I am definitely a little bit biased, but I definitely think taking a look at your sugar intake, like really just not necessarily logging what you're eating. I, I do think that there are some people like, you know, when I, when I was trying to lose weight, right. You always think about like, Oh, let me log my calories. Let me log my macros. Let me see what I'm eating. I think that can cause a restrictive mindset. So I'm not really the biggest fan. However, if you are dealing with certain food sensitivities or intolerances, you know, writing down what you're eating. You don't have to write down, like go to my fitness pal and stuff like that. Like those apps can be really, really tough. Um, I think the first thing though, is to just take a closer look at the nutrition fact label. And instead of saying, okay, well, this has hundred grams of sugar. So it's not good for me. This is hundred grams of sugar. So it's not going to make me feel good. Most likely. Right. Like, I mean, it's just, I mean, even when I eat, like when I overeat a few cookies that I bake for myself, I am, yeah, I feel sluggish. Like if I eat, I mean, I'm, I'm not celiac by any stretch of the imagination. I can digest gluten actually really well, but I have a whole bowl of pasta like every night. It's so different than when I have a sweet potato with some grilled tofu and some vegetables. Like it's just a totally, even pregnant, like it's totally different. I do crave pasta pregnant. So I'm like eating and I'm eating like not even whole wheat pasta, just like whatever pasta I can digest. But afterwards I feel 
so heavy, so bloated. And I mean, baby's all excited. She's like, yay, carbs. <laughs> but I just feel like crap. So I think that that's the first place we start is not to not carbs because I, I eat my carbs is really just starting and taking a look at how much added sugar is in this product. And same thing, like I love the, the easy thing of like starting with juice. Like, are we, am I drinking my cal- calories? Am I drinking my sugars? Because that is such an easy place to start where people, you know, I think my parents, they used to loved their Coke and diet Coke and Snapple and like 10 a day. And this is, you know, back in the eighties and nineties, like that's what people used to do. And it's just, it's crazy to think how much sugar people were consuming and how much we still consume. It's something like 77 grams of added sugar a day. That's Mm -hmm. the average American consumer. And it's not to scare people. It's just saying that sugar adds up. So taking a look at all of the things that we're eating and drinking and just saying like, it's not that it's bad. It's just like, okay, this ketchup has four grams of added sugar. Do I need added sugar in my ketchup? Can I just get this other ketchup that has no added sugar and just tomatoes? Like it's just kind of those simple swaps. Mm -hmm. That is where I would recommend to start because I really think it's, if we can just remove a little bit more sugar from our diet, we're going to already start to feel better. That's, I mean, there's just so many diets out there right now. And there's, you know, well, this, eat low FODMAP, eat gluten-free. Like, there's so many things and, and it, it might serve some people, but I think really, if we're just taking a look at the basics, take a look at the sugar intake and take a look at how you can maybe find a swap for that. So if you're mm-hmm. drinking a lot of soda, you know, there's a lot of alternatives on the market right now, but also even those alternatives have sugar or they have interesting ingredients in them. Take a look at that and, you know, really think about what's going to make you feel good and then try it, right? Because not everything is going to agree with everyone. So try it, see how it feels. And if it agrees with you, add it into your routine. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I think like food journaling can be so helpful and just like being honest with yourself. Like I've started doing it just for, for school purposes. And I'm just like, oh, wow, I snacked on like three cookies at work. (laughs) That wasn't necessary, you know, but it also allows you to actually, you know, realize like, oh, well I was really moody on let's say Monday, but like Friday I had wine, I had cookies, I had pot, you know what I mean? Like it's all those things like, do you have this like delayed reaction on your emotions too. Um, but I, I think that's, that. yeah, that's, and, and then like in the morning I take an actual grapefruit and I juice it myself. Like I just like mm. squeeze it into a glass. And so it's not, you know, like when we're having like, yeah, juice, juice, it's like so concentrated. Um, but I love those. Yeah. I love those. Um, and so my final question to you, because it's the emotional mastery podcast, I would love to know like, what has your relationship been with your emotions and like, how has that changed and transformed throughout the years? Oh my goodness. This, I could probably talk for like an hour on my emotions and uh, my thought processes in life, um, but I will keep it short. Okay. I, can you repeat the question actually? Cause I know there's two pieces to it. And I want to make sure I get both of it. Yeah. So just what has your relationship been with, how, what has your relationship to emotions been like in your life? And then how has that transformed and shifted? Like as you've kind of like come into spirituality and business and changed and just grown as a person. Yeah. I think I've always been a highly emotional person, but I think that at a young age, we are trained to kind of hide those and to not feel them and to like power through and push through. And that same type of hustle culture, especially as a woman, especially as a solo female founder, I'm, I'm seeing that now, especially as we're like on our fundraising journey, it's like, you want to be stoic that's actually, it's not really what the world wants either. I mean, I think now that things are changing, 
And as we age, once again, I think my relationship to my emotions has been, I am going to let myself feel it all. And then I am going to move forward. And I think that as a, a, you know, as a college student, as a high school student, sometimes you get like into these, these phases where it's like, I'm just going to be mad or I'm just going to be sad. And then it sits with you and it weighs you down and then you're unproductive. So you're unproductive in your thought processes and your creativity because you're holding on to these trapped emotions. And I am so such a big fan of if there are emotions that are that are coming out and they, they, they actually are served for other people. Right. So like, if you have an issue, like if I have an issue with my husband, if I have an issue with my mother-in-law, like I am going right to them and being like, here's how I feel because I, I come from a family, this big Italian family. It's like, Oh no, no, you, you got to kind of like tiptoe around people. You don't want to hurt people's feelings. Like you got to save face. And it's, but my parents were very different. We were so blunt and I, I learned that from them. But at the same time, it was like, this still like if you hide your emotions and you put on this like this strong face, people will respect you more. And that's not necessarily the truth because if you hide your emotions and you're they're trapped, they're it's going to come out in some other way and manifest in some other way, potentially even physically with stress or with you know my hair falling out. There's just so much that goes behind if you hide what you're actually feeling. And I am very happy and grateful to see that we're in this world of Instagram and TikTok where people are so much more open and the emotions are flowing and it just feels more authentic and transparent than like Instagram did in like 2015 where everyone was, you know, smiling on a beach and, you know, or in Cabo. And it's like, that is just not life. And I think that as I age, I'm just, I'm more open with putting them out there and I'm seeing like the the reciprocation from that is that I'm seeing that people are feeling the same things and they're like, Oh, Ashley, like I, I felt the same thing. Or like my aunt was in the hospital. My mom was in the hospital. I'm really sad about this. Like, does it get any better? And people are like DMing me, asking me these questions. I, from personal experience, doesn't necessarily get better. Things just evolve. But the fact that I put my own emotions out there and then they felt comfortable to put theirs out, I think that's the world that we're moving into. And I'm I'm grateful for that because there's no reason to hide them. They're part of who we are. And the more, and I think I think men hide their emotions a lot because they have to. It's kind of this like bro mentality of I have to be strong and you know, I have to be this role model and leader. But when you actually like let your guard down, become more open and transparent, people see you for who you are and you see yourself more clearly. So I'm just, I literally learn something new about myself every day in business. And I'm like so confronted by it because if I get really upset about something, I'm like, okay, you're being like a spoiled brat. <laughs> like move on. Like this isn't the end of the world. It's an, it, usually an Instagram post or something. And it's just, it's been so eye opening to see and face and let yourself feel it and move on. That's, that's kind of what I'm learning in, in my age. All that to say, that was a very long winded response to say, you know, emotions are healthy and feel them and sit in them, sit in them and don't ignore them because they will come back to bite you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think to your point of like sharing on social media and stuff, like we are just as human beings, every single person is emotional, right? And being vulnerable and expressing that allows people to feel not alone in it because it can feel so, like I felt alone in my emotions for the longest time because 
I just was felt like I was wrong for being emotional or like I was too sensitive. I was, you know, like everybody had to walk on eggshells around Rochelle, you know? So it was just like, yeah, being able to connect on such a deep and meaningful way by putting that out there is so powerful. So powerful. How do you, my final question, how do you process, like when you're letting yourself feel your emotions, what does that look like? Okay. So it usually looks like a stream of consciousness. This is my my poor husband. He's just here to witness it. He is one of those people that he 100% just keeps his emotions inside. He does not, I mean, he'll, he'll tell me and they'll like slip out and I'll see this like moment of vulnerability and I'll try to like go with it. And then immediately he pulls back. So it's, I do see this with men a lot. Um, but for me, it is a stream of consciousness. I'm usually pacing back and forth, uh, you know, around my apartment and processing them out loud. I don't do the best journaling and writing. Like I, I write down everything when it comes to the business. So any ideas, keep a notebook in my phone, like next to me. So like I can write those ideas down. But when it comes to my emotions, it has to come freely. It's literally like I'm on like a stage somewhere. My husband, he says, all right, Ashley, it's time to get off your soapbox. <laughs> Usually when it's like when I've completely exhausted all the emotions, but it's good. It completely, cause it, it like, it like leaves my body. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden I'm like, I feel fresh. Like, like it's gone. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how I know that the emotions have kind of been like tapped out. And you sometimes I feel a little bit exhausted as well, but in a good way, I feel like I've exhausted the, cause usually when we, when we think about emotions, sometimes they're happy, sometimes they're excited. And sometimes I can ramble on about them and in a good way. Um, but then I also know I need to get back to work. You need to get back to your focus and your vision. You can't just sit in all the high highs, but then when you have the low lows, processing them out loud has been just such a game changer for me. And even if no one is here, it's literally like processing, processing them with the wall because when they sit in my head, I notice that they sometimes can get tangled up with other emotions and other insecurities and you go down the rabbit hole. But if I put them out loud and I, I say them out loud and I put them out into the world, they kind of like resolve themselves and they kind of vanish. Mm-hmm. I would love to see your human design because I bet like you have your Ajna connected to your throat or something. There's some form of like expression because I have that set up too. And I do find like speaking it out loud is so helpful. But yeah, I love that so much. Thank you so much for sharing your energy and your story with all the listeners. It has been such a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you so much, Rochelle. Oh my goodness. I had such a great time. <laughs> Where can everyone find you? Um, yeah, if you would just want to let them know. I'll also have it in the show notes, but. Yeah, absolutely. So best place to find us is we are at btrnation.com online. But if you want to just chat with me, I'm at btr.nation on Instagram and on TikTok and LinkedIn. And you can also find me at ashley at btrbytes.com is my email. So I love to talk to people, love chatting, emails, DMs, send it all my way and we can get to know each other better. Awesome. Thank you so much. 